look, I just have faith in God and I know that he'll alert me. He alerts me to everything else. Why would he stop with birth and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be there as your um, healer, I'm your protector, your discernment. I'm going to be all of those things, your peacekeeper. I'm going to be all of that. But when it comes to birth, like what he taps out, like, I don't believe that at all. I'm Danielle. Welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Birth Journeys podcast. Today we have Allison on and she is going to be sharing her birth stories with us. Hi Allison, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. Hey, thanks for having me. Why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, so my name's Alison. I'm 32. I am Australian. I live in Brisbane, Australia. I am originally from Sydney, Australia as well. Uh, when I was 15, I went to America as a foreign exchange student, and that's where I met my now husband. Um, oh. So we, yeah, so we have a cute little story of how we got together. Um, and we lived in America, we lived in Oregon for a little bit and then, um, we decided to move to Australia. So that's why we live here now. And we have four children together. I'm an indigenous woman of Australia. So I'm a Gamilaroi woman. Um, my tribe comes from the middle of New South Wales, one of the states here. And, um, yeah, we, yeah, we're a Christian family and, um, yeah, we're, free birthing family, homeschooling family, <laughs> like a mm. little bit crunchy, but yeah, so that's a little bit about us. Mm, awesome. So where would you say that in your life, your birth journey really starts? Um, honestly, I think that like most women, your birth journey, it, it starts like just with your first encounter of birth. And usually mm. that's you know, on the TV or like someone else, you know, cousin or auntie or someone who's had a baby. Um, and I like my, <laughs> my mom is one of 27 kids. So, um, yeah, so we have, I have lots of aunties and uncles and my mom's the third youngest. And so she, uh, she like, you know, is being the youngest there's so many aunties and uncles who were much she was an auntie before she was born and so there's lots of there's always been babies around um in my family and then my mum fostered for a really long time and uh growing up and she had babies as well so um just kind of understanding birth and it was always like shows like one born every minute or I didn't know I was pregnant or something like that like <laughs> where like <laughs> it's <laughs> You know, sometimes it can be, especially I didn't know I was pregnant. It can be a little bit traumatic to watch shows like that. It's not exactly, you know, true what true birth looks like or could look like. 
Um, but I think for myself personally, like my first birth journey began, like my birth journey really began with my daughter, Aurora. She's eight. Um, she is a light of God, like 100%. She loves Jesus. Mm. Like, you know, it's amazing. I'm so blessed that God chose me to be her mother. Um, and so, yeah, she, um, uh, I was, I was actually, I got pregnant with Aurora before, uh, Eric, my husband and I got together, um, and uh, I was 23 years old. I was living in Australia. I was a single mum and um, I was actually homeless at the time. So I was couch surfing and I was a very new Christian. I, um, my, you know, uh, testimony of who I was before Christ to who I am now and who I was then is, you know, night and day sort of thing. So um, I wasn't making great life choices at the time. Um, and yeah. And so I got pregnant with Aurora and God, like I say this all the time is that like, obviously having a child in that sort of circumstance is not fantastic, but like God used my sin and turned it into his glory. Like he Mm. so did. Um, and so you know, I, I had a sinful act, but he blessed me and he blessed me with such a beautiful little girl. And, you know, like I said, she's on fire for God. Like she loves sharing the gospel. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And so when I, um, got pregnant with Aurora, it really changed my life. And, um, you know, I, I was already, my life was transformed from Jesus and then I got pregnant and it just kind of put that extra fire in my belly to really, um, get myself together and get life um, back like on track. Um, And so I kind of had the mindset though, like I had to do the right thing and I had to go into the hospital and I had to do everything that, you know, they said that I had to do. And um, there was no, I I was never presented with like birth as an option, like anything being an option. It was like, this is what we do. And this is the next step. And like, you just have to follow this policy protocol, whatever. Um, And so but thankfully, because I'm Indigenous, um, we have like um, midwifery programs uh, that are free and they're a part of like Medicare here. And so I was a part of a Medicare program and I had a known midwife throughout my whole pregnancy and she would come to my house. Um, and so that was amazing, like to be able to know this one person that I could journey along um, with during my pregnancy. And then, um, you know, uh, the only downfall to that is that she, it, it was up to, because it's all run through Medicare, it was up to whether or not she just happened to be working at the hospital on that time or not, whether she would be able to attend the birth. Um, and obviously, like, you know, nine times out of ten, they're not on. Um, mm-hmm. So she wasn't there. And I um, had Aurora in the hospital with my mum and my sister. And it, I was induced for a suspected big baby. They said she was going to be about like 11, 12-pound baby, like a massive baby. She was wow. huge. Um, and so she ended up being four kilos on the dot, which I I think I think that's about eight or nine pounds. Um, so she was like an average healthy, you know, she was 40 weeks, like she was a good-sized baby, um, and I delivered her vaginally and um, – yeah, and I just, like, I just wanted to leave the hospital as soon as possible. I just knew that that's not where I wanted to be. I just wanted to be home and with my family. Um, yeah, and so time went on. Like, it was, like, it was a good, ex- it was, like, I wouldn't say it was, there was no trauma. There was no, like, horrible experience there. Um, it was, 
pretty standard. I had the induction and everything kind of went textbook. Um, and then me and my husband, like I met him in high school and then like we got together after, you know, cause we we're only young and then, so we became adults and we stayed in touch. And so, um, we got together after I'd had Aurora when she was about two and we straight away, like, you know, we got married and we wanted to have, um, another baby and, um, uh, and we decided to go down the IVF route, um, which I won't go into too much detail, but it was a really exhaustive <laughs> journey, which mm. a lot of women can probably say the same if they've gone through IVF. Um, yeah. And so it was actually, um, quite, a this is like, this is probably like a really traumatic pregnancy and birth for me is that, um, with Ezra, um, my son, I like we did the IVF. We were trying for two years. It wasn't happening. We decided to go IVF, and um, we got to we got pregnant. And then um, I think I was 20, 20 weeks, and uh, we were living in Sydney at the time. And my husband's best friend in the states he had passed away, um, and so he really wanted to go over to America and um, and be there with some you know he, his best friend's family and um and kind of be able to have some time to grieve and um we also had some other stuff over there that we needed to kind of like square away so we thought we should go and do everything at once and so we decided to spend a little bit of time in America while I was pregnant um and because I had experience I was also in a then I was back in the same known midwife program um so I was seeing the same midwife um in Sydney um, like I did with Aurora. And so because I had that experience when I got to America, I was like, I want a known midwife. Um, and so I did, I, I like, I um, went to the local clinic there um, and I found a midwife and um, yes, yeah, I was happy for her to take on my care and do all my antenatal. Um, I explained that I was doing, I had done IVF. I told her all my medications and things like that. Um, and I think I got to 30, 35 weeks and I had an appointment with her and I was like, hey, I was told with this particular medication that I'm on, I need to come off it by 36 or 37 weeks because um, I don't want you to be on it while you go into labor. Um, and she, I don't know how I should get off the medication. And um, I was like, I think that they just said to just stop taking it, but I'm not sure. And what should I do? And she said, if she said to stop taking it, just stop taking it. And I was like, okay. Um, but she didn't really look into the medication that I was on. And um, it was... It was medication that, like, you shouldn't go cold turkey on because <laughs> um, it can cause clotting. And um, I went cold turkey on it. So uh, I ended, I think it was the week later, I noticed that my leg was swollen. And um, I started doing some Dr. Google and, you know, figuring out what that could potentially be. And um, I had some, like, pain and discomfort in my leg. And it was, like, in a particular, it was very isolated and... Um, yeah. And so, uh, I called her, made an appointment because I also needed to get a fit to fly letter to go home, um, to come back to Australia. And, but I was like, I shouldn't fly if I have this DVT in my leg. 
Um, anyway, and so I get there and I told her all my symptoms. She checked me over and she was like, look, it's probably nothing. Don't worry about doing an ultrasound to see if there is a blood clot. Uh, I'll give you a flip to fly. <laughs> Sorry, I'll give you your fit to fly letter. Um, and uh, we'll, um, I'll give you some sciatic, I think it's sciatic nerve pain and I'll give you a um, muscle relaxant and see how you go. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, she, that's what happened. She gave me the fit to fly letter. I flew the next day at 36, I think I was 36 weeks and like five days or four days or something like that. Um, and I flew for a total of 21 hours airtime. Um, and it, we were traveling over, I think it was like, I don't know, 36 hour period. Um, so we were traveling for a really long time, seated, seated, um, and by the time I landed in Australia, my leg was a balloon, like it was huge. And I went straight to emergency and they found a, um, a 53 centimeter blood clot in my leg, which I think that is, um, I think it's like 20 or 21 inches or something like that. So it was like, uh, like it was probably about, you know, two inches above my groin crease and it went all the way down my my leg into my calf and it was, it didn't stop. So it was, it was huge. Um, and like I had to have like an IVC filter put in and everything like that. Um, and I was on blood thinning medication and yeah, it was really, really traumatic to kind of go from having this healthy pregnancy um, and experience where I was planning on home birthing when we landed in Australia to now I need to be induced. I need to be on blood thinning medications, like um, a lot of prayer and giving it over to God, like the thought that I could potentially die at any point. Like it was so scary. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just a shame that like she didn't hear me or, um, or the fact that she just dismissed my concerns of a DBT. Um, and I still to this day have um, blood clot in my leg. I have like three sections in my leg because it was so large that it's just kind of fused to my veins. And so, um, yeah, it's like it's permanent injury that I have now. And um, anyway, and so, <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I ended up being induced like two weeks later um, in the hospital. I had my doula and I had my husband and my daughter, Aurora, uh, she prayed for a brother for like two years. So uh, she really wanted to be there for the birth of her brother. Um, and so I made sure she was able to be and, um yeah, she just sat and she kind of slept in the corner because Ezra was born like in the middle of the night. So, um, yeah, Rory was just kind of sitting in the corner with grandma and um, I had a midwife in there who um, was not great. She was uh, very controlling. Um, she was quite abusive as well, both mentally and verbally and um and physically as well so it was a very um horrible experience because yeah she just did things to my body like she um for some reason here in um Brisbane they have this um perineum support where they I don't know what evidence they're using to say that this is okay to do but um when the mother is 
crown when baby's crowning they um go in through the anus and support the perineum and that is just ridiculous to me and so she did that without asking and she didn't even tell me she was going to do that either so I'm crowning with Ezra and she just stuck her thumb in there and I actually asked her to stop and she told me no um and then I just kind of cried and continued to labor so it was very like very full-on that she just straight up abused me um and so yeah it was it was definitely a really traumatic event and then um she also I asked because I was on uh, uh Lovex which is what it's called in the states uh, the blood thinner um because I was on that I asked that I didn't want to have um the active management of the placenta I just wanted to have um, it come naturally. I really trusted that God would allow that to kind of happen. And um, she disregarded that and she gave it to me anyway. And I ended up um, a week later, I had retained placenta at home. And um, I went to the hospital after passing a very large clot. And um, knowing that I was on blood thinners. Um, and so... I got to the hospital, ended up losing 1.4 litres of blood um, and, yeah, I hemorrhaged pretty severely. Um, I was very sick and, um, yeah, that whole <laughs> journey of Ezra was just incredibly hard to go through. It, However, because God is good, he uses all things, like, you know, to glorify him. And so um, he turned that that darkness and that horrible and traumatic experience um, to a place where um, my faith deepened. And I really, like, I really pressed into Job. <laughs> like, not that my life was as bad as what Job had, like, gone through because he had some, a lot of, a lot of very traumatic things happening all at once and very, like, close together. Um, but just that, like, you know, it just kept being reminded of his wife being like, curse God and die, like just give up. And I'm like, I don't want to, like, I really don't want to. That's not what I had in my heart. I wanted to just go, no, there is more, like there's a reason why and there is a purpose why I've gone through what I've gone through and why God's still holding me and why he's protected me and kept me alive because, you know, I could have died like with the DVT and then with the hemorrhage, like so um, I felt like God, you know, had this bigger plan and this bigger purpose. And my mum has always prayed Jeremiah 29, 11 over me that, you know, God has a plan for me. And so, um, I just pressed into that and I pressed into God and, um, it really strengthened my faith. Um, it changed me again. It was just another transformation, um, which was incredible. And so I kind of made the realization, um, that I just, I needed to trust God before I trusted man. Not that, you know, we can't trust people, but my trust should start and begin only with Jesus. And so um, that's kind of the mindset that I came to. And um, and then obviously, so I had Ezra like um, in February 2020, so just at the very beginning of COVID. So that kind of, I think that also played a role into, um you know, my, uh, my idea of 
and comfortable comfortability with um, being pregnant and giving birth during COVID and um, all of the hospital restrictions and things like that here in Australia um, because it got crazy here. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we, um, me and my husband said, like, we're never going to do IVF again. Um, we said we were going to give it all to God and uh, we were not going to waver from that and we were going to stay faithful in him because he had stayed faithful in me, uh, giving me life and uh, keeping our son Ezra alive. And so, um, yeah, me and my husband were... I was still on, sorry, I was still on uh, LoveX for like 11 months after having Ezra. So that was a really, really tough time um, and a long amount of time to be on um, blood thinners. And um, when I got off, I, I, um, I was talking to my hematologist and he said, you know, you're, you're okay to uh, get pregnant now if that's what you want to do. And um, this is how you can get off your medications. Da, da, da. Um, and so I did. And I, I remember getting off the phone to him and I just walked straight into seeing my husband and I was like, babe, we can have another baby. Like, and I was, I just had so much joy and excitement um, inside me to have another baby even though I like had this super traumatic experience, but I just knew that God was good and he was going to do something amazing. And um, yeah. And so me and Eric, uh, we just sat in prayer. We prayed that God would give us the baby when it was in his timing and it was going to be a natural conception. Um, and not too long after that, uh, I had like a cycle, um, I think it was like a, a couple of days after I spoke to the hematologist. And so we were like, okay, cool. Like this can happen. This can, we can begin our um, trying to conceive journey. And I think it was, um, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, a week to two weeks after that, that um, I remember my husband and I, we were home alone um, and I looked at him and I felt the Holy Spirit say, if you have sex with your husband right now, you will get pregnant. And it was so clear. And I've never felt the Holy Spirit speak so clearly to me before. So it was really incredible. And, um, yeah, we had sex <laughs> that one time and um, I got pregnant with the twins. Not that I knew that it was twins at that point, but, yeah, I got pregnant. And I, I think it was maybe a week later, um, me and my husband were watching some TV, uh, just like a TV show. And halfway through, I just felt again, the Holy Spirit being like, you have a baby growing inside of you. I actually thought he said, you have a baby girl growing inside of you. So it was, uh, interesting to see the results at the end, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And I just felt it so clearly that like, it was, like I had a baby going and I felt very convicted, very peaceful. I didn't have any um, obsessive need to test and test and test and, um, you know, check my cervix or anything like that. Um, I just waited until my period was due and I said, okay, Eric, when the day, this is the day that it's due. If um, I don't get it today, I'll do one test tomorrow and we'll have the answer. And he was like, okay. And that's what happened the next day after my cycle was due. We went to the um, pharmacy to or the chemist um, to get a pregnancy test. 
And um, they're super expensive here. They're, like we don't have a Dollar Tree here. So they're not like a dollar. <laughs> they're like $20 for one. So it's like really expensive. Um, but my husband insisted that we get a free pack. And I was like, babe, I'm telling you, God's going to, I'm going to do one test and it's going to be so clear that I'm pregnant. And he was like, oh, can we just get three? Just And I was like, fine. So we got the three just to kind of appease him a little bit. And um yeah, we got home. He had, um, he had, he was in the kitchen getting dinner ready for Aurora and Ezra. And he kind of forgot that I still had the pregnancy test. So I quickly went and did a wee in the bathroom. And it was the afternoon, it was like nighttime. And I did, I did the one test and it was so, um, so clear that I was pregnant. Like it wasn't a distiller or anything, but it was just, it was there. There was very visibly a line. And I came out and I let him know and um, he was just over the moon and so ecstatic. And so, um, yeah, and I, I even had uh, the day before my cycle was due, um, I had a dream and my husband was holding a little baby girl and she had big brown curly hair with big brown eyes and he was holding her and we were at home and I had just given birth at home. And so I kind of was like, oh, okay maybe we're having a girl. I felt like the Holy Spirit said we're having a girl and um, uh, maybe we're, um, maybe God is leading me into having a home birth. And so, yeah, we, like me and Eric, like we just um, kept pressing into God, like giving everything, like, you know, I went to the uh, the GP and said that I had had a positive pregnancy test and um, throughout my whole pregnancy, Everything that the doctor uh, put forward to me, um, we prayed about. We prayed about literally everything um, before I did it. Um, and we just asked that God would give us the peace that we needed if it was his will for us to do it um, or he would give us the discernment to know not to do it. Um, and so, for example, um, I spoke to like, my GP and she was like, okay, we'll do your, um, HG, HCG, um, bloods. And I felt that God was like, yes, that is the right thing for you to be doing. Um, and so we did do that. And then, um, and then, uh, she said that it was time to do like a dating scan. And me and my husband really prayed about it and we prayed about it and we just felt like, it, we didn't need it because he had already told us when I was like, when I had conceived, like, and he, and, you know, we're married. So, you know, I had a very regular cycle and so we didn't feel like it was a necessity for us and um, for me. And so we opted not to do that. Um, and then I, I wanted to have another home birth and have a private practicing midwife and just hire her to do a home birth with us. Um, but every home birthing midwife that I spoke to in my area, they said, we can't work with you for a couple of reasons. One, um, you've been kind of like blacklisted, if you will. Uh, your, um, your hematologist has said that you must be induced at 39 weeks, regardless of your health or the baby's health. Um, because you've had this one blood clot and you need to be on Clexane for your entirety of your pregnancy. Um, and yeah, they're like, we just can't take you on. And so I, I had a chat with him to be like, okay, can I have, 
is there any other options? Like I'd like to home birth. I'd like to, you know, do something. I just don't want to be induced. Can I go into the hospital even and, you know, birth it spontaneously go into labor? And he was like, hospital policies and procedures here state that that's not an option. Like even your daughter, Aurora, who, you know, at the time was like um, seven, uh, even if she, when she's older she and she was in our care, uh, we would have to advise the same thing for her because her mother has had a blood clot. And so that's how we handle anyone who has had a blood clot or have a known family history, especially their mothers or their grandmother. And so I was like, whoa, okay. And I asked him, I was like, what is this like based off? Like what evidence to say? Because I don't have any genetic clotting issues. Like he agreed that the reason why I clotted was because it was IVF. Um, and a, a bunch of other things. He also agreed that it, um, in the report that he did of my situation with Ezra, he did um, mention that the reason why it was exacerbated was also because I got on a flight. I was like, you know, I'm not doing IVF and I'm not going to be flying. I'm not going to be, you know, I don't have other medications that I'm taking, etc. cetera. Um, and he just said, no, sorry, that's it. And um, I can't really give you any other evidence of like that suggests that this is what's needed for you and so me and my husband prayed about it and we prayed about it um and of like what we should do and like whether or not I should continue if I should even start taking Clexane or uh sorry Lovex um the blood thinners and um yeah whether I should have a home birth um or if I should birth in the hospital and I felt that it was safe and fine to not take Clexane. Uh, Love X, sorry, that's called Clexane here in Australia. Um, so, yeah, I felt it was safe to not take the um, blood thinners. I looked at some other research papers that showed that women who have no genetic um, clotting disorders that um, they didn't, when they went on to have a, another pregnancy, they didn't clot. Um, when they hadn't taken Love X. And so that was reassuring to see. Um, and I just felt like God really spoke to both my husband and I, and we felt very united in our um, decisions over my pregnancy. And um, so, yeah, and no one, like I said, no midwives would take me on. And I was kind of forced into free birthing, like into thinking about it. It wasn't like I didn't wake up one morning and be like, oh, yeah, I just want a free birth for the sake of it. Um, it, I was definitely led there by the fact that, um, all my choices had been taken away from me and I felt like I didn't have any control over my body or my baby. And I didn't get a say in the safety of myself and my baby. And I had just experienced, um, you know, someone say the safest thing for me was X, Y, and Z with Ezra. And then it turned out to be like the complete opposite of that. So it was, um, yeah, it was not an easy um, decision. But, you know, when we sat in prayer and asked God about, like, what we um, what we should do, he just gave us that peace that we needed. Um, we had the peace beyond all understanding, honestly. And, um, yeah, and so every, every decision, um, I never had an ultrasound with the twins. I never felt God never prompted us to have one. I didn't feel like I needed one. Um, I got to about 
I think I was nine weeks pregnant with the twins and I was like vomiting severely. Um, I had HG and nothing was sitting well and I started getting like severe headaches um, from just being malnourished. Uh, I did um, my blood work and they said that I was acutely malnourished and um, I was severely dehydrated. So I went in um, to the hospital to get help and just I got some IV fluids. I really needed um, help getting something into my system. And um, and then I went and saw my naturopath. We prayed about it and uh, we spoke to my naturopath and I was on very, very, very high doses of like vitamins just to kind of bring my levels up. And um Within a couple of weeks, I all my levels were up high, uh, up, like they were um, higher than they were and they were on like the low end of normal. So that was great and all the nausea kind of really slowed down for me. So that was really good. Um, and I had to, um, I can't remember why I, um, oh no, so when I was there um, for that, the midwife, I was actually, by the time I ended up getting into the hospital to um, start that process, like having the IV, I was 16 weeks pregnant. Um, and there was a midwife in there who came down to say hello. And she was so lovely. And um, yeah, and she just, um, she felt my belly and she was like, oh, do we want to go do an ultrasound? I was like, look, it's not something that I want to do right now. And she totally respected it, which was amazing. Um, and we, she just had a feel of my belly and she was like, oh, you seem to be measuring a lot larger. Like you're about 19 weeks. Um, maybe you should just keep your eye on that. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. And then she walked out of the room and my husband turned to me and he was like, it's cause there's two in there. And I was like, what? No. And he's like, yeah, hundred percent. I reckon it's cause you've got twins, babe. And you know, like at 16 weeks, I wasn't, I hadn't even felt a kick yet. And so I was like, no, no, no. Um, and then um, my, uh, I think I got, oh, I got to like 20 weeks and I was starting to feel those flutters more intensely. And they were kind of everywhere. I was getting a little flutter up in my rib and then down in my um, pelvis and I was like oh that's pretty far away like that's a very long baby um and like my husband's six foot four so I was like I know he's pretty tall but I don't know like this is weird and then um yeah by 22 to 24 weeks I could like actively start feeling two babies I was getting kicks in all four quadrants um I could feel like two bums and they were like side by side, like, you know, one kind of in a diagonal space. And then there was like hard spines down the side. So I was like, well then, yeah, this, this is not one baby. This has to be two babies. And um, yeah, I just, I, again, I didn't feel like I needed to go and have an ultrasound. I felt at peace with, um, yeah, it was twins and it was okay to keep, um going and um not have one I um yeah I just I just yeah I didn't I didn't feel that there was a necessity for me uh, I just had that peace that I needed um and then I think I we started because of that we started um I started praying and asking God like what I needed and um I felt like the Holy Spirit was stirring in me that I needed to know no post um neonatal um recess training 
my local hospital does offer that as a like a first aid course, um, which I find very interesting that they do that, which is great. And I think more parents should, you know, get in that um, and, and you know, uh, understand neonatal resource if they possibly can or they want to. Um, yeah, and so I was going to go through them to do that, but uh because it was during covid and all the restrictions like you can have partners in with you you can do anything you had to be vaccinated to go into particular um hospitals and things like that i wasn't able to do it um and so i just had to do all the research i possibly could online to understand i watched lots of videos of mums who had a newborn baby had just had baby and had to do a little bit of um breathing assistance with them at the birth and um yeah i felt pretty good about it I felt super confident and um when um we started talking about it being twins and the neonatal recess I uh, my husband and I started talking about when like what sort of gestation we felt comfortable with our um, babies being born at home and we really felt that like 35 weeks was when we felt comfortable and that things would be okay um, but there might be a, a, a need for transfer um, for baby breathing. Um, and, yeah, and so we felt comfortable. And I think the last part of my pregnancy with the twins, like I was I was measuring so far ahead. At 34 weeks um, on the dot, I was measuring 48 weeks. So I was just huge. Like my belly was so beyond stretched. It was so big. I was in a lot of pain. I was going to uni. I was working. I had two kids to be a mum to as well while my husband did 12-hour afternoon shifts. So, And I didn't really have um, – my mum wasn't up because um, the state borders were closed and the international borders was closed. So um, my husband's family couldn't be here to help. And, um, yeah, so I felt like I was just a little bit stuck and – very big <laughs> so yeah and uh, when I got to 34 weeks and I went into the GP um and my husband was with me and uh she just felt baby and she's like it actually feels like there's more than she's like there's got to be more than one in here and me and my husband just kind of looked at each other like yeah we know this like it's okay um but we didn't really say much to her um we just kind of smiled and yeah she knew my plans to free birth uh she was happy to support me um she felt that it was her duty as a doctor to be a support for me um regardless of my choices because she knew that ultimately it was my decision and I thought that was really amazing how she just respected that um Anyway, and that, I mean, even in that, that was a really cool moment because I had an iron infusion at some point during the pregnancy with the twins. Um, and I normally take my AirPods with me and I, cause I get anxiety, like with all the trauma that I went through with Ezra, I get a bit of anxiety and I just put worship music on and I just sit in prayer and I play my worship music as that sort of stuff's happening. Um, and this time I left my AirPods at home and I just forgot baby brain. Thank you, Lord. And, um, I went into the doctor's office and she was doing the doctor, uh, was doing my, um, 
my iron infusion and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't have my AirPods today. Do you mind if I put some worship music on? Um, I really just like, I I really have a lot of anxiety, as you guys know, and because they knew my history, they're like, yeah, that's fine. I was like, it's just worship music. So it's not like, you know, crazy music or anything, but it is worship music. And they were happy for that to happen. And so I just simply played it. And I just sat in prayer in my mind and I just kept talking to God as it was happening. And the the doctor was like, what song is that? And I was like, oh, this is a song that our church has made. And like, it's called You Are My Peace uh, by Shiloh Worship and Eagle. And um, yeah, and I was like, just playing it. And it's a really, like, it's just a great song. And um, she was like, I really like this song. And I was like, oh, that's good. And so she like, um, she's damned it. Like, she's like, I want to know this song. Um, and she's like, what church do you go to? And I told her the church that I went to and, um, yeah, now like God just worked there because now she attends church and she was baptized like just a couple of weeks ago. So that's how I just think that like it's amazing how God works. And I think it's wonderful. So um, I just add that little piece in there and of how he works. And um, yeah, and so after like it was 34 weeks, she kind of was like, I think we've got two in there. I was like, yeah, I know. Like I'm thinking in my head, yeah, I know. Like, but I'm just smiling at her. Me and my husband are like, yep, um, as we look at each other. And um uh she I, I said yeah like I'm I'm 34 weeks right now and she's like yeah and then so the week later I'm thinking yeah I'm 35 weeks and that's when we felt comfortable to birth at home at 35 weeks and um I was at home and I went to uni that day I was kind of like laboring a little bit um nothing um nothing exciting I just kind of was like oh it must be a Braxton Hicks um, it felt a little bit different and I'd never experienced spontaneous labor because Ezra and Aurora were both induced. So, uh, that was new territory for me. Um, and so I just thought it was Braxton Hicks and, um, I let my doula and my birth photographer know that, um, if I went into labor from now, I would be okay to birth at home. How did they feel? They both said that they were happy to support. Um, and so did my husband, um, he was happy to support and, and go along for the journey there. And, um, yeah, we, like, I, I he went to work that day, um, that afternoon, and he starts, you know, midday he goes to work. Um, and he usually does, like, 10, 12-hour days. And um, I did my normal uni in the morning, school drop-off, pick-up, um, I I think I had a little nap in the afternoon. I was so uncomfortable um, and I just had so much work that I was trying to get done as well. And uh, we had also just moved house, so that was intense and fun and crazy. Um, And, yeah, and I remember it was like 7 o'clock at night, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night, and my kids go to bed about 7 and I was putting, putting them to bed and I called my doula and I was like, look, I just... I, I just can't do this. I'm so sad. Like I'm so sore. I'm, I'm like uncomfortable. And, um, you know, I'm now getting these really intense backs and hicks and she's like, okay. She's like, I'll have my sister like come over and babysit my kids just in case you need to call me, just call me if you need to. And I'm like, okay. Um, and 
yeah, and I just thought, all right, I put my kids to bed at seven. Um, they were asleep, and then I was like, I'm gonna go and do my belly cast. But I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that now. I'm so tired. I'm gonna go to bed, and I went and fell asleep for about three hours. And my husband usually gets home about ten o'clock at night, and he got home. And he had his shower and then he literally hopped into bed and I woke up to like the contraction, like the one where you're just like, yeah, this is a hundred percent labor. Like it's happening. Um, and I was like, babe, we're like, I'm in labor. Like it's, it's happening. And he was like, oh gosh, like he was so excited. And he was like, but I just did like a 10 hour day. And so he was like, hoping that I would have a quick labor like I did with Ezra and Aurora because Aurora was like a three and a half hour labor and Ezra was like a two and a half hour labor. Um, and so he was just hoping that it would be nice and quick. Um, and so was I, to be very honest, because, you know, we're all very tired. <laughs> um, anyway, and so I called my um, doula and said, look, I think it's time you come over. So she popped over my birth photographer was 40 weeks pregnant at the time. So I was not wanting to call her unless I absolutely needed her to come over. So I got hubby to um, do the contraction um, timer. I said, I don't want to look at it because I don't want to like, you know, worry about what my contraction times are. Um, but just when it says go to the hospital, use that as the time to call the birth photographer so she can come over. Um, and that's what he did. And so um, I think it, I had like my contractions were instantly like six minutes apart. And, um, I think you know, 30, 40 minutes later, he was calling the birth photographer to come over. And so she came out. She only lived like five minutes around the corner anyway. So she came right over. And, um, yeah, and so uh, I'm I, like as, as my birth photographer <laughs> and my doula have arrived, I'm like doing my belly cast that I said I wanted to do earlier that day. Um, and my husband's frantically trying to fill the um, birth pool because uh, we weren't really set up yet. Like I thought that I'd at least get to 37 weeks. I was hoping so, but um, obviously didn't. And um, I just remember like laboring at home and in between contractions, I was laughing. Like, Everyone says that that's weird. No, you don't laugh between. And I'm like, no, like I actually was. I was genuinely, I had worship music going. I had prayer. I had, um, you know, uh, my husband's mom and sister and my mom, they were on like a Zoom chat um, in the corner and we were all just kind of chatting and having a, like a good time. And then I'd have a contraction and I'd, I'd breathe through it and I'd work through it. And then the next you know, I'd have a break and then we'd kind of chat again. And, you know, I just discuss, I remember even saying like induction is the worst thing in the world. Like it's so intense and so painful. And I was like, I hate it. And I'm so glad that I get to experience spontaneous labor. Um, and I'm saying all of this during, you know, labor and I go in and have, I finished my um, belly cast and I went and had a nice shower and just experiencing things like that I never experienced before. I remember even with Ezra, my um, my waters broke. Um, my waters were broken with Aurora and um, a part of the induction. But with Ezra, they broke on their own. And I just remember when that happened, I just felt like this satisfaction of like, oh, I got to experience that. And so um, I was really looking forward to with the twins, like what new things would be arising. And so when I jumped in the shower, um, I lost my mucus plug, which I'd never experienced before. Like I'd never noticed that before. So um, 
that was really cool. Um, my husband, like he noticed, he's like, babe, I think it's your mucus plug. And he was so excited with me, um, which I love that, you know, he was just going with me on the journey. And um, I hopped out of the shower and um, I just pretty much got into the birth pool. Um, and hubby and I had agreed that um, he would help um, catch twin one and then Aurora, our eight, uh, seven-year-old at the time, she would catch the twin two. Um, <coughs> sorry. And um, and um, so we got. I got into the birth pool and uh, I um, I was just laboring and take you know pretty much have a chat. Had a little bit of a wa- bit of a drink of water. Um, trying to stay hydrated when I could um, and just riding each wave. And then I remember saying to my doula, like, I need, I'm going to be sick. And I remember vomiting into the bowl and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Like, I'm going to meet the babies really soon because this is my sign with my other two. When I vomit, I have the babies in, like, you know, 20 minutes. Um, and so I was really excited and I was like, not happy about the whole vomiting situation, but like, you know, really excited that they were on their way. Um, and so Zol twin one, he was first and, um, I remember he was coming out and he he started crowning. And so I said, ring of fire. That was my, um, indicated to Eric to jump in the pool. And so he jumped in the pool and, um, he just kind of waited and, um, massage gently on my back um, as I was doing that, which was amazing. And um, <coughs> and yeah, and so um, Zol, he um, his head came out, and I like another wonderful experience I got to feel was his head had come out, and then he did that natural shift that they do inside to get their shoulders in the right position. And I remember feeling like a sense of relief inside myself too, that I think him, wherever he was, it wasn't good for either of us. And I think I instinctively kind of realized that when he had shifted into the right spot. And so to feel his head turn was just like, whoa, like it was so, it was so surreal. Um, And then the next contraction, Zol came out and um, Eric um, caught him and then brought him up to me. And, um, yeah, and he was just, he was amazing. He was beautiful. Um, He was covered from head to toe, so thick in vernix, which is gorgeous. Um, He was breathing. He was alert. um, And I noticed, like, and I gave him a little hug, a little cuddle, um, and I noticed that he was a little bit laboured breathing, though. Um, Nothing like where, you know, it wasn't anything too serious that I felt, but it was definitely something that I was aware of, um, that his breathing wasn't perfect. And um, if he was a singleton baby, I would have just continued to keep my eye on him. But I had another contraction. I needed to offload uh, Zol. And so I passed him over to my doula. Um, and she was just rubbing his back and keeping him in the water um, to keep him warm uh, while I could focus on the next baby. And I could feel Zion and, like, he, twin two, and, like, his head, I could feel him from the very top of the birth canal and coming through. And, yeah, like, I could feel everything with him. Um, 
and I don't know if it was because like twin uh, Zol, he was already like had, you know, gone through the process. And so my body was kind of primed and prepped already with the baby who come out. Um, and so when Zion was coming out, he just like shot out. Like I didn't, I don't really remember actively thinking about pushing too much. He just kind of like shot. Out. <laughs> um, and so I like, I was like ring a fire and um, I was like, okay. And then that he got Aurora to jump in the pool and I'm like, there's a baby like pretty quickly straight after saying um, ring a fire. I was like, there's a baby. And he's like, oh yeah, there is a baby. And so um, him and Aurora helped pull Zion up out of the water and, and pass him to me. And so, yeah, it was, uh, he was, he was again, beautiful and gorgeous and chunky head to toe in vernix, just such a thick layer. And um, yeah, he was breathing. He looked at me and I'm looking at him and he did like, he, I saw, I noticed that he had labored breathing um, pretty quickly. And so I just put like all my neonatal recess training that I had done um, had kind of made me aware of everything and I I was so peaceful like I had um I think I was working from a place of knowledge and God was giving me a peace and so um I just put my mouth over his nose and his mouth and I just took a suck and I spat and he he kind of went <gasps> like and I so I did it again and then he went <gasps> and then he kind of went limp and he he went floppy and he was a little bit more purple than he was just like a second ago and so I um, looked at him and I just put my mouth over him again and I, I gave him a breath. And as I was doing that before, I, when I was sucking out and uh, while I'm doing all of it, I'm just praying, God, give him the breath of life. Like you are the, the God of life, like give him that life. And so I was just praying that over him um, and it was just peace. And um, <laughs> I, I just kept saying like, I know you've given me this baby. And so um, I gave him that little puff of air and um he just like he kind of like it stunned him a little bit took him back uh, took his breath away in a good way um and yeah and he like came to um instantly uh he went pink instantly it was pretty much everything he needed and then his breathing went to the exactly the same as Zol, where it was a little bit heavier a little bit wet um and a little bit labored but it wasn't like they were still breathing they were still alert they weren't skipping a breath or anything like that um so yeah I felt very comfortable in that um however um yeah it was decided um that they that we should transfer and so um that's what happened um my husband called uh, the ambulance to come and um uh, because it's twins um, and it was home birth, I had to have like three ambulance with two paramedics in them. And then they had the special care unit uh, for wheel drive with two paramedics. So I had like eight people coming to my birth space and I was like, whoa, everyone needs to back away. Only one person is allowed here. Like, and so um, that was definitely something I had to advocate for. Um, and the paramedic that did come through, he was very lovely. He asked permission before he did anything, which was lovely. Um, and so he was like, do you want to cut the cord? And they had finished pulsating. Um, I had, sorry, I had, before the ambulance even arrived, um, I had delivered the placenta um, and I had little to no blood um, at birth. I probably think, I think I probably lost 
maybe about 400 mils at the birth of the twins. Um, and then in total, maybe 24 hours after birth, I think it was about 800 mils. And I'm not sure if you guys do mils um, in the US, but that's what I had. And um, yeah, he was like, do you want to cut the cord? And it had finished pulsating. Um, I think because the twins did have breathing difficulties, the fact that I didn't cut the cord until it had completely went white and finished pulsating, I think that was a huge help um, for them. And I think it assisted them in, um, you know, being able to breathe on their own easily and getting everything that they needed from uh, and all the oxygen from the placenta. And so um, I just, you know, again, another testament to God's design. Um, yeah. And so after that, uh, we transferred. They took Zion first because he was probably um, because he's the one that had gone limp. They wanted to um, take him to the hospital quickly. Uh, with me, um, they uh, and Zol, um, they he, they were happy for him to stay with me, which I wish that Zion was with me too because I would have put them both on the breast. Um, but it was just Zol. So Zol was, he was breastfeeding the whole way to um, the hospital, which was about a 45-minute drive. Um, they weren't, it wasn't lights and sirens. It was just, they were just driving there and just transferring me there. Um and that was the same for Zion as well. And uh, when we got to the hospital, um, they checked me over. Uh, I didn't have any tearing. I think I had a couple of grazes, so nothing massive, nothing crazy. Um, and uh, they, they were, they, I was received well after but initially it wasn't like the nurses and midwives were pretty like full-on and being like oh my gosh like you've had twins and you've had no scans and it was like there was a lot of like anger <laughs> like what I had done and I was like well I'm allowed to do this because it is my body and it's my baby and it's what I felt was best and it was um and so yeah and then I had we had we were told that um we would be there for five to six weeks because they were premi um, but we felt like me, my husband and my doula, um, who is a Christian as well, um, we all felt that God said to us, no, it's only going to be a couple of days, like three to five days. Um, and we all heard that as well, that it was going to be three to five days. And so we're in there and then the, um, the doctor came through and she um, she was just kind of explaining everything and she actually kind of like went through and the process and um, of like what they wanted to do with babies and why. And so she ha she actually gave a lot of more informed consent. She probably could have, you know, got been a bit better at it, but um, she was actually really good in comparison to everyone else because they really pushed that fear side of things, which was really hard to work with. And um, I found really hard to make choices for myself and for my children when all I was given was like fear-based options. And so... Um, yeah, I um I um yeah, I just uh I made um some choices for the boys and my doctor was happy to support that. The NICU doctor was happy to support that. Um they were ready to leave NICU on day three. Uh they were they only needed they didn't need oxygen or anything like that. They just needed CPAP to help draw all that wet mucus out that um was going. Um and that I was trying to suck out at the birth and um yeah they Azol was on it for less than 24 hours Zion was on it for a little bit over 24 hours and 
Zion was regulating his temperature just fine. Wizzel was kind of struggling. He would kind of go up and down a little bit. And so my husband just baby wore him, um, like skin to skin, um, held him um, to see, like just to kind of help him regulate his temperature. And he did that for like a whole day. And then Zol was fine. Um, he started regulating his temperature just fine, um, which was amazing. And I loved watching him do that because there was another young couple in the NICU with us and he, um, the, the, they were quite young. They looked like in their early twenties and it was their first baby. And, um, he was watching my husband baby like skin to skin baby wear the whole day and then like he kind of went up to the nurse he's like hey can I do what he's doing like with my baby and she's like yeah of course and so it was really sweet to watch how my husband um you know he kind of influenced another um dad in such a positive way to help on with his baby too so that was really sweet um yeah and then we came home on day five um, we were out. The doctor did say she was like, I do think that the reason why um, the um, babies have done so well is because you haven't had much medical or medical, like any much um, medical intervention. And the fact that you did labor at home probably really helped. And I was like, yep. I was very surprised she said it, but um, yeah, it was really cool that she did. And um, yeah, that was kind of um, our birth and um NICU stay and then when we got home it was just about you know being home and um seeing you know the new fit of like our family went from two to four really quick like you know two kids to four kids like overnight so that was you know something that took a little bit to adjust to um and then also oh I forgot to mention as well the twins um birth weight um Zol was, I think he was five pound 13 and he was 20 inches long. And um, Zion was six pound six and he was uh, 19 inches long as well. So, yeah, like they were very healthy size baby. And it wasn't until we got into the hospital that I realized that I, even though I thought I was 35 and I must have just had like a baby brain moment, uh, they were like, oh, by your dates from your bloods that your GP has sent through, you're actually 34-1. So they were, I was 34 and 1 uh, when I had them when they were born and that's how big they were. So, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy how big they were. <laughs> and no wonder I was in a little bit of um, agony and pain at the end there, um, just carrying such a, such a heavy weight around with me 24-7. Yeah, and God was just so good. Like, yeah, and now now we're on that same journey again. I'm pregnant now and um, we're just letting God lead us in that, in uh, whatever, you know, tests I need to do. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much everything. How through that last pregnancy, how you just kind of – you know, you listen to the Holy Spirit and what he was leading you to do. And I love how everything he said yes to, like he opened that door to do yeah. where you were not like faced with, you know, judgment or, you know, ridiculed or whatever. But he yeah. just like made a way through the whole entire process. And that's just so beautiful and such a testimony to, you know, how he is in all things, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And birth, like just listening to his leading 
and how when it's him and his calling, how he does that. He just, you yeah. know, parts the waters and we can just walk and, you know, he's, he makes the way and how yeah. you have peace along the way for every decision. It's just so beautiful. Mm. Um, it's just a really, it, really like even, story. um, even with my husband as well, like the fact that we're married and yes, I, um, you know, I'm the one with the ultimate decision over like what happens with my body while giving birth. But, you know, God's design is that my husband is right there with me. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, his, his voice matters. And I know that the Holy Spirit unites a married couple. So, um, the decisions that we were making, like we would separately kind of go off and pray and ask God to guide us and, or, um, and then sometimes we would come together and pray, but, um, what the times that we were separately praying about something, God was uniting us. And then we'd come back and be like, Hey, I feel like this is what God said or, you know, and he's like, Oh, me too. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, so like there was so much confirmation in him rather than, the world that it was such a like it transformed me and my husband's faith um and so we just now it's like and i think sometimes people might think that me and my husband are anti-medical which is totally not the case um we just we want to put god first in all things and we know that um he will lead the way like he will give us peace wherever we go um you know if we need to have an ultrasound or if we need to do this or we need to do that um god will you know alert us to um to whatever decision that he has like prepared for us and is is actually the safest one for me <laughs> okay. so yeah. i put my trust in him and not in man so yeah yeah and i think that's you know that is just the most important thing in you know all, all aspects of life is just to listen to his voice listen to his leading and mm. to do what he's telling us to do and it being obedient to that it's yeah beautiful so when you were um planning to free birth was it something that you were open about or did you kind of keep it close to your chest as far as like family and friends and um was it something that you know you were open about or yeah so um we like it was a little bit of a mixture of both so like i was really open i walked in like specifically with my gp i walked into her doctor's office and i was like i was like i had prayed before going and was like god this is this is it like if you want me to have anyone to support me at all along the way this is the last one because I've spoken to so many doctors and midwives and they've all said no. And like now, like, I don't know what to do. Thanks. Um, I don't know what to do. Um, and so if you want me to have someone then, um, open the door. And, uh, I remember, so I was kind of at my, at my end <laughs> in that particular sense. And so when I did speak with her, I like, I cried and I just was like, this is everything. This is my story with Ezra. This is like what I want to do. And I, like, I don't want to free, but at that time I was like, I don't want to free birth. Um, but I feel like that's my only option. 
but like I want to know that if I chose to free birth that someone will support me and um she just she was so amazing and she was like yeah like I will support you whatever you do because I'm for women and women being able to make these choices and so she did try to help me find like private midwives who potentially could take me on but they were all like a no and then um all of um like my mum uh she's like yeah, she's been a Christian since she was 15 and she is a prayer warrior. Uh, so I I told mom, I was very open with her. I have a very good relationship with her. And her response was, if God has called you to it, who am I to sway you from it? Mm. So she was like, I am not messing in that boat. Like if that's what mm. God has spoke to both you and your husband. And she could see how convicted we were um in our choice and she was like "Uh uh-uh I am not messing with him because he's God like (laughs) she's like I know my place so um that was yeah that was honestly having um such a supportive mom made a huge difference um Eric's um family uh they believe in God um and they were just really like yeah whatever like they were really nonchalant they were like you're like we trust that if you need to go to the hospital or you need to go to the doctor like you'll do that because you're both adults like and you're not reckless you are like you make choices based on like information <laughs> like mm-hmm. um so that was also really helpful I did have a couple of friends um who are like nurses or midwives and it really um it really it was something that they really struggled with to hear um but um, sorry, I'm just having to have a drink there. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they they really struggled, um, some of them. Um, but I was really open with most people. There was a couple of people that um, I just didn't say anything unless they asked. Like I didn't openly go around telling everyone. I was like, I'm free birthing, like or whatever. Um, but if someone asked, I would just I would be pretty honest with them and. Um, I kind of realized like for me that like their response was a reflection of themselves and it wasn't actually mm-hmm. a reflection of me and my choices. Um, you know, and a lot of the time their response, if like, it was one or the other, it was like, Oh wow, that's amazing. Like I'm how inspiring that you're doing that and you feel God's called you to do this. Um, like, what a testimony that you're going out in faith or it was like fear like oh my gosh like how could you do that like that's that's crazy and like and I'm talking about like coming from other Christians as well Mm -hmm. um and so I think that um that was just a time for me that and I felt comfortable to do so. I was happy to be like, look, I just have faith in God and I know that he'll alert me. He alerts me to everything else. Why would he stop with birth? Mm, Like, why would he stop at birth and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be there as your um, healer, um, your protector, your discernment. I'm going to be all of those things, your peacekeeper. I'm going to be all of that. But when it comes to birth, like what he taps out, like, (laughs) I don't believe that Mm -hmm. at all. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it was, it was just kind of, I think it was like a little bit of a ministry I got to kind of do during my my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And um, I had like my dad, he actually, he used to work for like the Australian version of CPS. 
um, and he was like a very high manager and um, so it made him a little bit nervous um, and that was okay. I was like, you know, it's not illegal to free work here in Australia so it's not something that um, uh, people have their children taken off them like solely based on that. Um because it's not illegal um and so but it did make him nervous though so um that was an interesting conversation I think it made him more nervous that I wasn't having an ultrasound um he just couldn't understand it he's not a Christian and so he just couldn't understand it and I was like look dad to be really honest like I just have faith like I know I'm not going to abort a baby I know I'm not going to like regardless of what comes up on the scan also dad like I know there's not a lot of studies to show the safety or the effectiveness, like the accuracy, sorry, of ultrasound. So I'm not super convinced um, and I'm just okay with um, what will be will be and God has a plan and I just am here for the ride. And, yeah, so that was that was more hard for him on the not understanding the faith side, side of things. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Yeah, that was, man, awesome. Love, love <laughs> everything that you shared. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have any other thing to say. Um, so no, cool. when you were, <laughs> when you were preparing for your free birth, obviously you did, you know, see some uh, medical, you know, your GP mm -hmm. and stuff, but did you, and then you did the neonatal resuscitation, um, you like learned up on that, but was there anything yeah. else that you did to really prepare for your free birth or did yeah. you just go in just totally trusting God with it all? Um, both definitely. Like I, <clears throat> I knew that like, I was like waiting and sitting on God to like, give me discernment on the things that I really needed to know. Um, I felt that like it could potentially, like I felt that I needed to know a little bit about breech birth, um, just to have a, I, but I didn't need to know in depth like I did with neonatal. Um, where that I was like, I needed to really know everything. Um, where breach, um, I was like, I should probably brush up on a little bit here and understand the basics of it. Um, and so I did. Um, and I think that was just like in prep for more than just like, because both baby, both the twins were born head first. Um, and so. I think it was more prep that like to trust birth and that there are variations of normal, like breach is a variation of normal, but it is very, it is still normal <laughs> to birth a breach baby. And yes, there is some things that we should understand um, and how to act differently. Um, and, um, you know, as mom or like positions mom might be in and things like that. But um, I just, yeah, I really just trusted that God, uh, he would, as I was learning the things that I was learning, those things would stick in my mind and I would know that for when I was ready to give birth. Um, and so the, I, the, like I did a lot of, um, when I really figured out that I was having twins, I did watch like any and every single twin home birth I could possibly get my hands on. Um, because here in Australia, like, private practicing midwives cannot attend a twin home birth. Um, it's, they will get deregistered for it, which I think is just insane. Um, mm, yeah. And where obviously in the US, you guys can have um, 
private midwives attending uh, multiple births. And I think I even watched one video of like a mum, there was like a 19 hour, there was like nine, nine hours, I'm sorry, not 19. It was like nine hours between twin one and twin two. And she had two, two or three midwives because she knew she was having twins. She had two or three midwives and um, she had her OB come to her home because she was birthing at home and I was just like what the OB will even go to someone's house in America like that's wow. insane because like they ain't doing that here <laughs> they are yeah. not doing that here no, I, I think, yeah no that's that's very rare I know of one yeah. OB in the whole U.S. that does that Dr. Stu mm. <laughs> I'm not sure if any others do that but um, I wonder if it is that same doctor it, it may have if, been in, in California yeah. he attends um, twin birth at home birth in California yeah but, yeah, yeah. That's, and I think that's amazing. Like, I really mm -hmm. do. Um, but, yeah, and I watched, like, heaps of um, other uh, twin births, multiples. Actually, it was all just twins. Like, at no point was I like, oh, maybe there's a third one. Like, I was like, no, there's just two in yeah. here. Um, yeah. I did. I do have to say, actually, after I gave birth to Zion, there was a tiny little piece to me that was like, okay, the next contraction is coming and something is coming. Is it a placenta or is it a baby? And, it, like, I was like, okay, that's all squishy. That's a placenta. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So um, there, it, that was the only time where I was like, oh, wait, I didn't actually prepare for triplets. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but, again, I like, I didn't feel like I one. needed to, so. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So one last thing that I always like to ask is um, if you were going to give some advice to a maybe a first-time mom or a home birth mom or maybe even a mom that's considering free birth, um, mm -hmm. what's something that is like a must-have that you would want to tell her? Oh, wow. That's, a, that's, <laughs> that's like a loaded question for me. Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Um, you want to tell I, them all the things. Yeah, you're like you want to tell yeah. all everything. Um, mm -hmm. Like first and foremost, if you are a Christian, trust God. Whether you're not a Christian or not, whether you are a Christian or not, honestly, turn to God because mm. He will He will guide your path. Um, put your faith in Him as you do in every single thing that you do in your life. Put your faith in Him before you put it in anything else. And he will reward you, like, beyond measure. Um, he really will because he's such a faithful God. Um, and so that, and then I think the other things would be, like, understand birth. Like, and I mean, look at women who are having undisturbed births versus, and they're, like, what, and how that happens and their experiences and if they're actually like experiencing trauma or um bad outcomes or anything like that versus women who are birthing in the mm. hospital um this especially for free birthing or home birthing mums um because you like what i found and what most if not all women i've ever come across who have actually chosen to home birth what i they have found and i found is that it is actually safer. It is like research-wise, stat-wise, it is actually safer to birth at home and for so many different reasons, just the simple fact that mum feels safe and she's undisturbed. Um, and God has designed our body to birth. 
uh, and he's designed our baby. He knit together our baby in our womb that like he's literally formed that baby. So like the ability to birth is a hundred percent like available, like, you know, like you are able mm -hmm. to birth your baby. Um, and yes, of course there are situations where, you know, um, intervention is needed, but statistic wise in America versus Australia as well is very much the same that C-section rates are like 30, 40% of women who are having a baby is a C-section. Um, and like where people like, um, at the on the farm like Ina May on the farm like she her percentage was 1.7 percent of women only needed a c-section um you know and even who recommends that it's like only actually around three percent of women need c-sections the rest seem to be a little bit more um unnecessary so I would like I would just say that God has designed our body and designed our baby's body to be able to birth and so like step into that step into that like that design step into his um calling he's he's anointed us as women to be able to birth um and it is filled with oxytocin <laughs> mm -hmm. you know it's such a beautiful thing <laughs> it keeps us coming yeah. back for more <laughs> yes. uh, so and that's that's mm -hmm. that's actually why like i think that women um who experience uh undisturbed um physiological births have multiple children <laughs> because it becomes a little bit addictive like yeah. you know we're now pregnant again and I'm like I am I said to my husband like yesterday we were like working outside and I'm like I'm only like seven or eight weeks pregnant right and I said no I, I can't wait to give birth like that is that is not the response that I had after Ezra like I was like I'm filled with nerves like I'm like I'm scared and like I have a lot of trauma that I've had to process but now that I've had the twins I'm like oh the day it's gonna be glorious like <laughs> yeah oh I love that yeah it's true it is so. it is when you experience that amazing high yeah. of, of birth it's like yeah you just want to keep doing it over and over yeah. again <laughs> absolutely oh and the other thing that I would suggest is like be mindful of who you allow into your birth space as well mm -hmm. and be purposeful um and like I did the other thing that I was going to do with my mom and my husband was um we were going to talk to a free birthing um mama uh, and seek like and ask her questions and like pay her for her time to kind of really unpack free birth and all the things that could potentially happen in a free birth and so if we had any fears or if my husband had fears or my mom that they could talk about them openly and in a safe environment while I was pregnant not during birth um and so yeah that was like some another thing that I would suggest is that like if you do have anyone who's fearful like bring bring like a birth worker into that place during a pregnancy to kind of open up that conversation and and kind of mediate and bring information and um it's really helpful um and then yeah like just yeah have someone that you feel safe with and connected to to be in your birth space yeah i agree with that for sure <laughs> yeah Cool. Well, is there anything else that you 
would like to share or do you feel like you've covered everything? Um, honestly, the only thing that I would like to share now is that um, since my journey with the twins, because I was so well supported, I then have now gone on to support other women. And mm-hmm. so like, I, like I'm here in Australia and I travel to different, cause like Australia is like the same size as America's mainland. And so um, it's such a big place, but we only have like 26, 27 million people that live here. So it's like, you know, there's very remote areas and there's like little to no access to um, doulas or um, midwives and things like that, or even birth photographers. And so um, me and my husband and family, like we're kind of been on the road supporting mums um, where I can support mums and, um because it's so important to be supported but it's also really important to support when you are capable and you're in a place to be able to support and give back like I think it's um something that sometimes we can miss is that we are like oh I need support I need support but it's like okay well now how are we supporting now that we're in a space Mm. that we don't need to be supported anymore um yeah, so um, it kind of feels like a bit of a ministry because, like, I'm working um, with some new agey mums and um, and I'm like, okay, and I was like, oh, God, is that okay to do? And he's like, look, and he made it very clear. He's like, look, they're worshipping creation. They just need to take the next step and realise that if there's if something yeah. has been created, there's a creator. And, yeah. like, I want you to plant those seeds. And I'm like, oh, okay, that. like. And he's like, and be my light along the way. Like, you know, provide the support, provide the love and um, and grace. And I was like, okay, I can do that. So, and it's been amazing for our family. So, yeah, um, you can, if you want to check it out, it's um, my traveling doula, but traveling in Australia has two L's, not one. So um, that's fun. <laughs> Okay, are you yeah. on like other any other like any social media or anything that people Yeah, can? Instagram, Facebook and I have a website which is just mytravelingdoula.com. Okay. And your handle yeah. is the same on all Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. I'll put that yeah. in the, the show notes as well. Oh, perfect. Cool. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and, you know, sharing your stories and your wisdom and all the beautiful things that God talked to you, spoke to you and led you through. And, um, it's just such a beautiful testimony of, you know, when we are listening to him and open to his leading that, you know, it's, everything works out and it's beautiful and it can all be used for his glory. (laughs) It's amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for having me and letting me share my journey and yeah. And being able to do this kind of ministry of like sharing, my um, story with God because, yeah, I hope it inspires women wherever they choose to birth that they are Mm. turning to him before anything else. And so each decision that they are personally facing, that they can know that they find comfort in him Um, because that's super important, I think. You know, birth is such an intimate thing and, um, yeah, that's, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast, and you can connect with us on social media at Birth Journeys Podcast. For more information or to share your own story, please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.